Emmanuel, God with us. I'm praying that you're going to have just an extra special Christmas this year. Today we're beginning a new message series. It's called Me in Christmas. The whole premise here is that the best way to get Christmas in me is to put me in Christmas. And so we're looking at some of the cast of characters of the people who were there in that very first Christmas, and we're trying to do a little bit of a a life swap. You've heard of the wife swap? We're doing the life swap here. We're going to put ourselves there at that first Christmas and come to understand what our response might have been had we been there. And today we're going to look at the wise men, the great story of the wise men, these wise guys um, who traveled so far to go see the baby Jesus. They stopped off at Herod to find out exactly where Bethlehem was, and then they went on to see the baby there in the manger. Uh, some people have, uh, have speculated that the wise men were not really men because men would have never stopped off for directions to get someplace. So we don't know a lot about the wise men. We do have, though, from the Scripture, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. We do have from the Scripture some ways to understand who they were and what the real power of their response in that first Christmas was really all about. So let's read together as we start off. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then in verse 7, it says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go. And worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So let's do a little background information here as far as the wise men is concerned. A lot have been said about them. Maybe you've seen some of the, some of the plays in elementary school where they uh, dress up like the wise men and all that kind of stuff. We don't really know that there were three wise men. The Bible calls them magi, and that's a, a word that's taken from a Latin Translation from the Greek original word, the the original word is magos, not maggot, but magos, magoi. It means someone who is especially wise, someone who is smart, someone who has the ability to have insight. And so these wise men were speculated to be one of two things. They were believed to either be kings from the east, and there's some 
uh, information in the Old Testament that kind of helps us understand that because kings often would give gifts when they went to another king. They would bow and they would give gifts, and we see that a couple times in the Old Testament. Solomon did that. When kings would come and visit, he would give gifts to the kings who came and visited. But more likely what we see is that these three wise men, these wise men were powerful priests, astronomer priests from the east. This tradition goes back hundreds of years actually before Christ was even born. And you can get a glimpse of it even in the Old Testament where you had the prophets in the Old Testament who were very close to the kings. In fact, they were... uh, in in one sense, rulers themselves. They were very powerful people. They would often anoint the king. They were often uh, advised as to who the king should be. And that tradition was also true in the land of Persia, which is where we believe the three wise men came from. So they were astronomer, priest, from the priesthood of the Medes that began, again, hundreds of years before Christ's birth. And then from there to Persia, a land in the east, you've seen the movie 300, you know about the the powerful kingdom of Persia. That's this kingdom that they likely came from. They were very powerful, very wealthy, and again, we understand that uh, they were people who had great influence. So we don't know everything about them, but we do know a few things. We know that they were men of authority, men who had power. We know that they were men who were wealthy. We know that they were intellectuals that they were educated, but we also know really the most important thing, and that is this, that they were sincere seekers of truth. Regardless of the fact that they did not come from a Jewish background, regardless of the fact that they did not fully understand nor live in the Jewish scriptures nor the prophecies about the Christ, they had learned truth along the way and because of that truth that truth that they had learned that education that they had received that intellectual aspect of their lives had turned them to search for messiah and what's really amazing about this whole story is the links that they went to to find jesus the king so one of the things and really what we're going to focus on today a major portion of the, mes- the message of the uh, wise men is the fact that they gave. In fact, our, our richest traditions of Christmas, as far as giving gifts, really begin right here in the story of the wise men. They gave. And I want to share with you today three aspects of their giving, three aspects of their generosity. And I want you to put yourself in their situation. And I want you to ask your, you yourself, did... Uh, If I were there, could I have responded like this to the same Christmas message? What would have been my response? And as they gave to come to understand how we might be able to give this Christmas, three things they gave. First of all, they gave their focus. They gave their attention to Christ. There's a lot of things that steal our attention of the very essence of the Christmas message. And yet here these men gave their focus, their attention to Christ Jesus. You see in verse 2, verse 2 it says, They ask, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. And you skip down to verses 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, they worshipped him. Here were men who were truly seeking 
Christ in this Christmas. I wonder about you. I wonder about in the hectic pace of this season, have you had the moment where you stop and you really consider what Christmas is all about? To fix your mind, to focus your attention on Jesus. You know, when I was in elementary school, I had to play a shepherd. And I didn't want to be one of those stinking shepherds. I, I wanted to be one of the wise men. The wise men were kind of the cool guys. The shepherds, you know, they, what do they get to wear? They got to wear a robe, basically. And, you know, this little hat thing, this rag on their head. But the wise men were so cool. And I didn't get to be one of those, but the wise men got to come in. They got to dress up, right? They got to wear all this nice stuff and the crown. They could come in and everybody, you know, focused their attention on them. And, you know, songs were sung about them. It was cool to be a wise man. And one of the things that stood out to me, even at a very early age, is how special they were, not because they were wealthy necessarily, not even because they had authority and they were people of influence, What was really special about them is that they came from so far away to see Jesus. In fact, you know the song, We Three Kings of Orion R Tried to Smoke a Rubber Cigar? (laughs) That's what my brother told me anyway. The (laughs) You've heard that song, right? You've never heard that song? Okay. Sorry. You're gone for the rest of the message now at this point. What was so amazing is how far they traveled, how much they sought Jesus the Christ child. You see, there's a big difference between those who are seekers and those who are speculators. And some of you have seen uh, some of these TV uh, shows where they try to explain away the birth of Christ and they water down who Jesus was and... Uh, all this speculation about what actually happened there, and instead of the, the, tr- the true Christi- Christmas message of Jesus being God and who he was. And that speculation is, is markedly different than those who are truly seeking Christ. Now, seekers see what's going on in the world, and they seek truth. They, they, they truly try to understand what is, what is truth instead of making speculation about what could be or what the opposite is. They ask questions. Some of you have, in your life, had kind of a phase where you were seeking God. And you were seeking God fully and wholeheartedly. The great news about that, and just like what these wise men experienced, the great news about that is that those who seek God will find God, is what the Scripture says. And really, the truth is, is that those who are searching for God, those who are seeking God, God is already seeking them. So we talk about the wise men, you know, searching and seeking for Jesus and coming from a distant land in order to find him. But the truth is, is that they were the recipients of the search. That God had dramatically and supernaturally placed a star in the sky. A message to these three men about Messiah being born. And the truth is, in a very supernatural way, God was seeking them out. And delivered this star to them that they followed because they, in response to that, followed all the way to the manger. I just want to tell you and remind you, this Christmas, if you are seeking Christ, 
he will be found. Jeremiah 29, 13 says in the Old Testament, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek with all your heart. And if today and in this Christmas you will seek God fully, authentically, with all your heart, he will be found. And it will make a very, very special Christmas for you. To turn your attention from yourself, to turn your attention from the things that can distract away from the true Christmas message, and to put it on Christ. They gave their focus, they gave their attention. Secondly, they gave their hearts. They gave their hearts to Christ. Verse 11, it talks about how they bowed down and they worshipped Him. Now, this was much more than just merely honoring the Christ child. This was much more than just paying homage to a king and to one that they believed to be a king. This was an experience of authentic worship. There's a big difference between those two. We have family traditions. We have some cultural traditions where we kind of honor Christmas and we may even look upon a manger and reflect upon that. There's a big difference between that and truly worshiping God in the Christmas season. So here are these wise men who come to seek and focus their attention upon God, and then the natural result of that is when they seek God, they find God, and they begin to worship God. I often think about, man, these were, these were people who were really from a pagan land. And what's amazing about this is that they recognized there in that first Christmas who Jesus really was. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Why? Because they came to understand that he indeed was God. And I want to remind you, in case you just have kind of drifted and forgotten, that Christmas is about God coming to man in flesh. That Jesus was not just a nice little baby, cute and cuddly, gives us little warm fuzzies. He was God. He was God. He was born supernaturally through a virgin. Hundreds of prophecies from hundreds of years before foretold of his birth. He grew up and lived a sinless life. No sin. And he died on the cross as Savior of the world to pay for the sins of mankind. And three days later, he was resurrected, having victory and conquering death in the grave. He was not just a baby. He was God. And we need to remember that at Christmas time. And we need to stand in awe and stand in worship of that fact. And what a great reminder for us every year Yeah, Christmas is about family, it's about giving and all those kinds of things. But more than anything else, it is about the message that God loved us so much that He would send His Son to this earth, ultimately, to die for my sin. 
If you can focus your attention on that, it will make Christmas all the more special. I want to remind you that the God that you're seeking at Christmas is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows your past. He knows what's going on now. He knows your future. He knows you intimately. He knows you better than you know yourself. He's all-powerful. He can do whatever He wills to do in your life, in the world. He's all-loving. Despite the fact that He knows me, He still loves me. And Christmas is a great reminder of that. So they gave their focus, they gave their hearts, they bowed down in worship, in adoration of the God-man, Jesus Christ. And then third, they gave their very, very best. What happens when you seek God? You find Him. What happens when you find Him and you recognize who He truly is? You worship Him. And in response for all that you've been blessed with, in response to all that I've been given, in response to that, we give in return. And again, that's the message of Christmas, right? The point is not gifts. (laughs) The point is the spirit of giving behind the gifts. The point is reflecting toward others what was granted toward us in a God who generously gave to us His only Son. We now are able to worship Him in return by giving to Him and in giving to others. That's exactly what they did. They gave their very best. Gold, incense, the preschooler says Frankenstein. Frankincense and myrrh. Symbols of gifts that would be given to a king. Gold, symbol of royalty. Kings exchanged gold, granted gifts of gold to one another. And man, the way the price of gold, as the dollar has decreased, gold has... Back then, it was much more valuable, much more rare than it is today. Gift of gold, gift of incense. Incense is the aroma that is burned in the temple. It is a sign of worship. And then myrrh. Myrrh was an ointment that was used to anoint the dead, kind of as a preservative, until they were buried. A symbol here that there was recognition, based upon the prophecies, based upon all these men had learned, a recognition and understanding that this child was born to die. They gave these gifts to him. So they gave their very best. They gave their treasure. And listen, you don't measure a treasure... Sorry for the rhyme. You don't measure a treasure based upon the dollar amount, the inherent kind of numeric value that it has. Let me tell you how you measure a treasure. You measure a treasure based upon how difficult it is to give away. That's when you know that something is precious. That's when you know that it is valuable to you. So here we learn from the wise men that worship and generosity go hand in hand. And we celebrate at Christmas that we can worship God by giving to Him via giving to one another. You guys give to the church, but I hope that you have learned that it's not giving to the brook. 
It's worshiping God. That's the act of giving. When you give unselfishly to other people, the Bible would say that that's an act of worship. So what are you going to give this Christmas? The challenge for you and me is to give something of value, something that is precious, something that is a treasure, something that indeed may be very hard to give away. So think about this Christmas. What would be extremely difficult for you to give away? What would be difficult for you to give to another person? Maybe it's a monetary gift. I don't know. Maybe you've got your clutch around your checkbook and pry this from my dead cold fingers. And you're the Scrooge, you're the Grinch, and generosity is not a virtue you possess. I'm telling you, you don't get Christmas until you get that virtue. Maybe it's a gift of love to someone that is very difficult to love. And maybe in a moment where you are in worship, in a moment as you see Christmas for what it truly is, you could reflect back upon the love that God has granted to you and say, listen, I did not deserve love. I'm a recipient of love that was not deserved by me. I didn't earn it. I couldn't deserve it. So this Christmas, as hard as it may be, I'm going to open up the treasure of love to another individual who doesn't deserve it, and to give them what they need when they need it, express value to them. Maybe it's the gift of patience. You fill in the blank. Whatever that treasure is to you, whatever it would be difficult for you to give, Christ is calling you to give it this Christmas. And when you do, it will be an act of worship. It will be a moment where you kneel and bow in gratitude for the God who has loved you and in response and in reaction, just like the wise men, you will give your treasure. Worship means that we give in some way. You can't separate it. You cannot separate giving from worship. In fact, the whole Christmas message is about giving. Will you turn your focus toward Christ this Christmas? When you do, will you give him your heart? And will you give him your very, very best, quite possibly by giving to another? I think these guys are pretty wise, don't you? They were smart enough to figure out who Jesus was. They were smart enough to figure out that he was deserving of their full devotion. They were smart enough to figure out that they would come from hundreds of miles away on a two-year journey. It took them two years from when they the time they saw the star to when they arrived there in Bethlehem. Wise enough to figure all that out. I hope we are too. Let's bow for prayer.